Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Pastor Jeff said, I've got my wife with me, and it's always a pleasure just a treat to have her. And I've got a, a couple from our church, uh, Johnny and Debbie West. Thank you for making the uh, trip from Benson to be with us today. And they, uh, they've pulled double duty. They, they were in our first service this morning, and now they're with us here. And so um, we're honored. Thank you so much. And all of you, amen. Amen. It is great to be with you. And I want to say this. You have a wonderful staff. I know you know that. But why don't you give God praise for your staff that you have here today? These, these folks, uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to be in services with them. They've come and they've been in services with us. And um, Pastor Kevin and Amy, just appreciate you so much and what you do for the Lord. They were in Benson and, uh, and he actually spoke and talked to us, our church, about worship uh, couple of months ago and we just were blessed by that and uh and pastor jeff just we spend time together just talking and um trying to sharpen each other up as the bible tells us and and it's good to know the work that you're doing here brother you should be commended i appreciate you so much in the lord for what you're doing and um just amen he's doing a wonderful job and i know you got a great staff that supports you you're volunteer folks i know you're here in the second service but Many of these folks that you saw on stage, they were here in the first service, the ones you saw in the foyer and the guest areas. And um, let's not forget to give God praise for those folks. Amen. Let's not forget to, to thank them personally for what they're doing. It, t- it takes a lot of energy, a lot of work to prepare to do that. And so we're thankful for them um, just preparing the way for us. And, and all of your prayers over the last week to, to make this day possible. We're, we're thankful. It's good to know that, um, that there is a church here in Mount Olive. Uh, let me say that again. It's good to know that there is a church in Mount Olive. Uh, because sometimes uh, the, the church has been hurt over the last year. The hurt, ha- the church has gone through some disruptions over this past year. And it's good to know that the church is still going to stand. It reminds me of a story I heard of a little boy growing up on the East Coast. And he would always go out and he would build sandcastles. And many of us have done things like that before. And on one occasion, some, some guys, some local guys, they were actually bullies. They came up and they would just smash his little sandcastles that he was building. He would build one and they would smash it. So he thought he, of an experiment he would try. He saw some center blocks, and he got those center blocks. He saw some rocks, and he got the rocks. He saw some concrete, and he put those as, as a foundation. And then he built his sandcastles on top of those rocks and those concrete. And those bullies came by. They didn't see the foundation. They didn't see what was underneath the surface, and they began to smash. But when they did, their feet met their match. And they soon learned that my bare feet is no match for the foundation he's got because he had built those sandcastles on a rock. And you know, it just reminded me of the church because 2020, I don't have to tell you, has been a challenge for all of us. Whether you work, whether you go to school, even in the church, it has been a challenge. 
Uh, honestly, I mean, the, um, we, we've had to deal with politics. We've had to deal with COVID. We've had to deal with uh, racial tension. I mean, I could go on and on. And you know about those things. And I didn't come to preach about those. We, we look at 21, and there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, we're wondering, okay, uh, how, how long will this virus last? Is it coming to an end? Uh, will we always have to have football in the spring? You, know, you could go on and on about so much. But let me tell you this. I want you to understand, and I think you know this because I know you're a pastor, and if you're a guest today, just pretend like you already know it, okay? Listen, the church has a real enemy. Do you, do you know that? The, the Bible calls him Satan. You've heard of that, right? The, the Bible calls him the devil. And this is what we know about him. He's out to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his job. The, the, the enemy that we have does not want to see the church going forward. And so he's like those bullies with this young boy. They'll, he'll come along and try to smash our sandcastles that we're building. Now, here's the good news according to the Word of God. Jesus is the founder of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And Jesus said these words. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Amen. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what that means is his church is going to stand. You know, his church is not going to fall. It's going to be tested. I can tell you that. It will be tried. You know that. But it's going to stand. Yeah, people will join his church. People will leave his church. But his church will continue to stand. You ask me how? Amen. Go ahead. You ask me how I know? Because I know this. I believe that Jesus is coming back one day. Don't you? Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm not just going through life thinking this is the best there is to come. No, there's something far beyond this life. Yeah, my Jesus who died for me has gone away to prepare a place for me. Man, we were singing earlier about I fly away. Yeah, one day we're going to because our Jesus is coming back one day. And guess what? He's coming back for a church. Not just a church. He's coming back for the church. Whether it's Mount Olive or whether it's Benson or whether it's a facing or wherever we may be from, he's coming back for his church. His church is made up of his people. People who have been called out of sin and they've been called into his marvelous lot. One day he's coming back for us. It's going to stand. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. So regardless of what we faced this past year or what we may face this year, be encouraged with those words. His church is going to stand. And when we look in the book of Acts, we get a great uh, ideal of that. We get a great illustration of that. And I want to share something with you today from Acts chapter 8. And, and if, I, if I had to use a theme, I would say this. I would talk about how we can make the church better. Now, you've got a great church. And I'm not here to do a consultation because you have a wonderful pastor and an amazing staff and they're doing great things for the kingdom of God right here in this local area. But, but in general, what can we do to make the church a little better? You see, in the book of Acts, we read about the birth of the church. We read how it was, how it was founded. And then we read about how the enemy would come against it, but how it would overcome and how it continued to grow and how it continued, if I could use the word, how it continued to get better. Now, I'm going to suggest to you, it's because the church, they were committed to certain things. Now, I don't have time to go over all these today. I'm going to highlight a few, but I want to talk about their commitment to holiness, okay? And we'll, we'll break that apart in a few minutes. But just let me give you this background. When the church was formed in, in the book of Acts, there, the enemy tried to disrupt the church. There's a story in the book of Acts about some widows that felt like they were being neglected. Have you ever heard that story before? 
all right okay now what was going on in that story you had two different widows who were speaking different languages but they were in the same church now the enemy tried to use that as an opportunity to divide the church but it didn't work and here's why the church was committed to prayer and they were committed to the word of god now what does that mean to us i'm telling you that prayer and the word of god is still good to be committed to today i promise you they will never hurt your church if we can make a commitment to prayer and the word of god we can have a way of making the church better and so the church did that and it began to grow and so the enemy doesn't give up he tries something else he he uses persecution and the bible says the people were scattered from place to place they were dispersed but do you know what they did to combat that they were committed to evangelism and they shared their faith wherever they went just they didn't have to be a preacher of the word of god they were just christians like you and and like me and they would share their faith and guess what happened the church continued to grow the church continued to get better And, and then something else come up you got these new christians in new areas and they're thinking well we'll just leave them alone but not the early church no they were committed to something called discipleship they helped people grow in their faith. They were teaching them about the, the basis of Christianity. They taught them about prayer and the word of God. And the church continued to grow. It didn't stop there. They wanted to find out, well, what do we do next? Well, how can we continue to get direction from God? And they were committed to something we called the Holy Spirit. Or I should say, he, the Holy Spirit. They were committed to him. They were leaning on him. They were listening to him. And the church continued to get better. Now, what does that mean today in 21? It means this. If we're really concerned about how the issues of 2020 will impact our church, if we're really concerned about how world events could could have a way of dividing our church, I think we need to make a commitment to those things. Hear me well. You you may not see it quite in this perspective, but I want to present something to you. The enemy would love nothing more than for us to take the uh, coronavirus and let it divide the people. And you may have experienced some of that here. When it first hit, maybe last year, there may have been some people in, in our churches who would say, if you don't have church, you don't have faith. And if you do have church, you're foolish. I mean, they could, they could say things like that. And the enemy would use that to divide the church. And, and then it comes into politics. And you got some people say, well, if you're a Christian, you can't be this party. Or if you're a Christian, you can't be that party. And the enemy would use those things to divide the church. And I want to just share with you today, it, it doesn't matter about your, your party affiliation as long as you're a Christian. And it doesn't matter about your view of the, of the virus as long as you're a Christian. And so if we're willing to make a commitment to certain things like prayer and the word of God and and discipleship and the Holy Spirit and evangelism, the church will continue to get better and the church will continue to get stronger. I can promise you that, but you've got to be willing to be devoted to it and make that commitment. Now today, I want to talk to you about another one that we don't hear a lot about. Not in all circles, I'm sure you do here, but it's holiness. Now, unfortunately, there's some misconceptions about holiness. For example, and some of you have maybe heard this before. When you hear the word holiness, some people will say, okay, that's a legalistic group of people. People say that. Some people say holiness, well, that's people who have a very uh, rigid code of do's and don'ts. Some people would think that. And then some people say, oh, that's a group of people who feel like they've reached sinless perfection. 
Now, if you've heard any of those misconceptions, I'm sorry, but that's not biblical holiness, okay? Now, let me explain this to you. Biblical holiness, or what we call sanctification, is when we're just being set apart for God. It means that we're dedicated to God. Who would not want to be dedicated to God? I mean, if you're a Christian, why not be set apart for him? And I want you to understand something. It's when we're trying to be transformed to his likeness. We're trying to be transformed to his image. We're becoming more and more like him. And I want you to understand that we're living in a season when there needs to be a commitment to holiness. And let me explain to you why. You With everything that's going on in the world today, if you're not careful, someone can make a political statement and you'll want to say something about it. Someone can make a, a statement about the virus and you'll want to say something about it. And here's what I know. You're a Christian. Your, your sins have been paid for. You've been freed from the penalty of sin. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you. You're, you're justified. You're declared righteous before God. But here's what you need to remember, especially if you're young today. When we were born, we were born with something called a sin nature. We're, we're born with a natural tendency to sin. We're born with a natural bend to sin, which means we're going to naturally want to do things our way instead of God's way. Now, if you know that to be true, can you say amen for me? Amen. Facebook, help me out today. They're kind of quiet in here, okay? All right, listen to me. We, we're all that way, and here's the bad thing about that. Even though we're saved, even though we're forgiven, certain things will come up, and you know what? We want to do good, but something is pulling us to do something bad. Have you ever experienced that before? How about you on this side? Have you experienced that before? Yeah, it happens to all of us, and there are times that we want to do what's good, but we're struggling to do it, and we'll do what's bad, and we're like Paul crying out, oh, right wretched man that I am who can deliver me from the body of this death the answer is in Jesus Christ because we come to him he's not able just to save you from the penalty of sin he can deliver from the very power of sin but, amen but it's going to be a fact that we got to realize I'm crucified with Christ but nevertheless I live but it's not I that live it's Christ that lives within me and the life I now live in this flesh I'm going to live through Jesus Christ and faith in him so that means this there needs to be a commitment to holiness it means I'm going to make a commitment I'm going to surrender to God I'm going to let you rule over my life I'm going to surrender to you I'm going to submit my will to you every aspect of my life I'm going to give to you I'm going to give you my heart my soul and my mind you're no longer just my savior but you're also my lord I'm going to lay aside any weight in my life I'm going to lay aside any sin in my life I'm going to commit my life to you I'm going to live a life of holiness why is that so important listen because we should be striving to bring God glory and not bring God shame I don't mean that in a negative way, but listen to me, folks. It breaks my heart as a pastor to think that there are people who profess to be Christians. They say, yes, Jesus has saved me. Yes, I will obey his word. I'm a follower of Christ. But yet something doesn't always match up. And when that happens, we hurt our testimony. And we will bring a reproach upon the church of Jesus Christ because we're not living in a way that would honor him. I think the early church understood that. 
And they made that commitment to holiness. And the church continued to get better. Let me explain. Let's read this scripture here with me, okay? Acts chapter 8. And in verse chapter, uh, verse 18, going through verse 20. The Bible says this. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money. And he said these words, Give me also this power, that on whosoever I lay my hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for this day. We thank you for being with your people. Thank you for our time of worship together. Lord God, speak to us afresh from your word. You see where everyone, you see where we are. You see our hearts, those who are on Facebook watching us, dear God, are, are those who are with us right here in the service live. Speak afresh to us that we may leave this place changed in your name. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 When you look at this passage of scripture, the early church had grown into the area of Samaria. They had obeyed the vision of God. They were now preaching the word in different areas. The church, if I could say it this way, they, they were growing. They were getting stronger. They were getting better. And a lot of us, because of the commitments they made. But now something happens that you need to see here. They, they got there because they overcame certain things the enemy did. Disruption didn't stop them, and they continued to grow. Dispersion didn't stop them, and they continued to grow. And, and now you've got another situation, and this is what the enemy's doing. He plants this man, Simon, in the church. Perhaps he did it strategically, but he's in that church. He's in that area. And the enemy is now trying to use deception to stop the church. The good news up front is this. It never stopped the church. Verse 25 in this passage would say they continue to preach the word of God throughout Samaria and all the villages. So the church continued to get better. And what I've got to submit to you this morning is it's because of their commitment to holiness, a commitment to being set apart for God, a commitment to being separated from the things of this world, not being legalistic, but just following God. And, and I think the reason they, they did so well with that is because of a couple of things I want to share with you. And, and the first one is this, it's because of the temptation to compromise. Can, can you just mention that to your neighbor? Say there will be a temptation to compromise. Go ahead, it's okay to talk in church. There will be a temptation to compromise. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. When, whenever a church is going forward, whenever a church is growing, whenever ministry is really impacting the kingdom of God, the enemy will come and he will try to tempt us to compromise what we believe in and what we stand for. Now, I want to relieve your, your mind right now. Temptation itself is not a sin, okay? So go ahead and get that in your mind. It's only the opportunity for sin it's only the occasion for sin even Jesus himself was tempted but he didn't yield to it okay it's not a sin until we give in to it but what you do have to realize is that when we're growing in our faith whether we're young or whether we're old their enemy that we have he will come and he will try to tempt us now this is how he's going to work in the church he's going to say you really want to grow the kingdom pastor Jeff I've got an ideal for you this is what they're doing at Walmart to grow Walmart this is what they're doing at Chick-fil-a to do 
that. And, and this is what they're doing at the car dealerships. Why don't we learn their principles? Why don't we learn their techniques? Why don't we bring it into church? Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants us to bring the principles and the mindset of the church of the world into the church. Now, before you say, Pastor Jeff, that guy is narrow-minded and he's some backwood guys. He don't understand what we're doing. I really do. And let me tell you my heart. I believe that you have to be relevant today to reach people. I think you need to be relational today to, be, to meet people. I know this, that, that our principles and, and, and certain things, our practices and our strategies, they're always changing. They're always improving so we can reach people. But certain things never change. Let me explain it to you this way. I used to be a school teacher, and I started teaching in 1991, and I'm old enough to remember something called chalkboards. Does anybody remember that if you're my age or older? Yeah, and there's some young people shaking, what's he talking about, mama? Yeah, you don't know, let me help you if you're young. Before I stopped teaching, we had something called transparencies. Does anybody remember those? A few of you. Okay, good. Well, listen, then they, then they moved to something called dry erase boards. And everyone knows about a dry erase board. Yeah. But before I left teaching, they'd come up with something called smart boards. And now there's other groups saying, honey, what's he talking about? I don't, I don't understand that. Well, I had to quit too because I didn't know what was going on with smart boards. Yeah. But let me tell you what I do know. When I was teaching physics, there were certain laws that Isaac Newton had. And you know what? Those laws never changed regardless if I was putting them on a chalkboard or putting them on a dry erase board. And I taught principles of chemistry. And I don't think the periodic table has changed over the last few years. And I don't think it ever will. I told them in first service I could go back to the school and I could still teach those same principles I could still teach those same laws they might would have to give me a refresher course on some techniques but the laws are still there now what does that have to do with the church it means this there are certain things about the church that's never going to change and the main thing is the word of God God's word is already settled in heaven God's word is never going to pass away and because of that the cross of Jesus Christ can never be compromised because of that, salvation in the message can't be compromised. Because of that, sanctification and holiness can't be compromised. I mean, because of that, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it can't be compromised. I just want you to understand something. There are certain things that we're going to always stand for that we can't back away from. Yes, we're going to use technology. And yes, we're going to reach new people. And we praise God for it. But we'll always preach the cross of Jesus Christ. We'll always preach salvation. We'll always preach Jesus is the only way to heaven. There is no other way. There is no other way. And sanctification is there. Holiness is there. But the enemy was trying to use that compromise in this setting. Let me explain to you how. Philip leaves because of the dispersion or the persecution. And he goes to Samaria and he's preaching Jesus and the people there, they see what's happening. People are being saved. People are being baptized. The Bible says miracles are taking place. People are being delivered, and people are being set free. The Scripture actually says there was great joy in that city because of what was happening. Well, there was a man in that city. His name was Simon. And at one time, Simon had a lot of people following him. At one time, he had the influence of the people of Samaria. And so the reason he had it is because he would use witchery. To, to, or he used um, yeah, sorcery to bewitch the people and people would follow him but when he saw what this man was preaching when he saw the evidence of it the Bible says these things about him please don't forget this it says he believed it says he was baptized 
It says he continued with Philip. And so there he is. He's walking right there with Philip. He's just observing. He's in wonder of the miracles that he's doing. He's in all of the people that are following him. Now, the early church or the first church in Jerusalem heard about this. And they sent Peter and John there. Peter and John come and they pray for these people and they receive the Holy Spirit. And Simon sees that. Simon saw a manifestation that he had never seen before. He saw this, literally. He said, they laid their hands on people and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. He saw something. Perhaps he saw or heard them speaking with tongues. And he, he said, this is real. And you know what he said? I want this power. And you're saying, Pastor Mark, what's wrong with that? That's not compromising to want power, to, to want good things to happen, to want the church to grow. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not if you're sincere about it. But notice, he didn't say, we're thankful for you brothers for coming here. Would you continue to pray that God will direct us and guide us? He didn't say, I really don't know my place in the kingdom of God right now, but I want to discover it. Will you pray that God would show me my spiritual gift so I can be used as he would have me to be used? No, it was nothing like that. This is what he said. Give me the power. I'll pay for it because I want to lay my hands on people and I want them to have the Holy Ghost. You know what that is? He was compromising. He was trying to bring in his mindset of the world. Am, am I making any kind of sense here? He's trying to bring the mindset of the world into the church. He wanted them to do it the, the way of the world. He was acting and he was thinking and he was behaving like the, like the way of the world. And that's what he was doing. But here's the good news. There was people in the church that was committed to holiness. And one was Peter. And Peter said, listen, folks. He said, listen, you're heart is not right with God matter of fact you're just bound to iniquity and you're full of bitterness and, and you need to repent of what you're saying Peter knew this man was not right with God but this is what bothers me this morning as a pastor listen he was positioned in the church he had made a profession of faith. He had went through the ordinance of baptism. He was going on with the practices like everyone else, but yet something was not right. He wanted to make an impression with people instead of making an impact for the kingdom of God. So he says, I'll pay for it. I'll bring the way of the world. I compromise what I believe in. He just wanted a platform. He wanted to perform before people. It wasn't about making a kingdom difference. And Peter recognized that. Pastor Mark, what are you saying to me this morning? I'm saying I think we need to make sure that we examine our conversations and our conduct. I'm not here to say you're bad people. But I know I, you've got a great pastor, a great staff, and you're an amazing church. But I am saying this today. Maybe we just need to be warned that we need to be careful in the season that we're in because the enemy will take everything that has disturbed the world and try to bring it into church and he'll try to divide our churches he'll try to keep us from going forward he'll try to destroy us if he could and here's what's sad this is what he'll do go ahead fill up the church do both services matter of fact try a third and fill that one up also that doesn't bother him he, he's not threatened when you come to church as long as you will leave church and be something else yeah this is what he wants he wants us to come here and he wants us to look like church he wants us to come here and speak like church he wants us to come here and act like church and he's fine but tomorrow when we go to school now you're there 
Church is not with you. Let's separate the two. So dress and look and act and talk like school. Dress and look and act like work. Dress and look and think and act like the world. Wherever you go, let's, let's just compromise who we are. That's what he wants to do. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It breaks my heart to think that there are people who profess to be Christians and people who say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I believe the Bible's authoritative, but yet they'll get on social media and they'll speak just like the world. They'll act like the world and if they're a politician then go ahead and give him praise if you need to if they're a politician didn't get in office oh I got an issue with you because that's who you are if you got the vaccine I got an issue if you didn't get the vaccine I got an issue that's what he wants to do and he wants us to compromise what we believe and what we stand in and it hurts so bad I think it was Pastor King Watt that said one time Kevin it's sad when people can speak in tongues, but they can't speak with each other. Ha, yeah, Amen. it's really sad, but that's the state the world is getting into. That's the state the tree's trying to get the church to be like that. He wants the church to compromise what they believe in, what they value, what they stand for, and this has no good ending to it. Let me tell you why. These people were well aware of the temptation of compromise, and I just want to share with you we need to be aware of that out there also yes you too you can be tempted to compromise what you believe and what you stand for not me pastor yes i'm sorry yes you too all of us are if, listen if the enemy tempted jesus you can believe he will tempt me and he will tempt you you can say amen or not it's okay but it's the truth he thank you he will he will tempt us so here's what we have to realize. Not only is there a temptation of compromise, there's a threat of consequences. And what I mean by that is this. There will be results of our actions. When I was growing up, the pastor I had, he was a little short man. I loved him dearly. And um, I could always remember certain things he would say. And one of them that always would stick out to me was this. He would often say, Behold, your sins will find you out. Has anyone ever heard that before? Besides, yeah. And, you know, I, I, somehow or another, he would bring that in in all, a lot of his sermons. Or at, least it, at least that's what I got from it. And then he would say something like, whatever is done in the dark will be brought to light. And I said, man. And he didn't scare me, but, but he just had me believing that Christians just couldn't get away with anything. If you're supposed to be a Christian and you're living like a Christian and you do something wrong, it's going to show up. Somebody will find out. And you, can, and, and you know what? I, I went off to school, and, and Pastor Jeff told me not to say it, but I did. I went to Chapel Hill. I don't know if you just don't like Chapel Hill or what, but okay. <laughs> So, so I was there, and, and, and I learned something that I, I would do things that were not always right. And I could hear that little preacher in my mind saying, Behold, your sins will find you out. And, and somehow or another, Mama and Daddy would get word. I said, Oh, my God, what is going on? So, but I'm so glad I had a praying Mom and Dad. 
And I'm so glad I had a preaching pastor like that. You know, I couldn't just get away from it because I realized it was, you know, it was wrong. And I'll just learn, if I can just be honest with you, if it was wrong in Clinton, North Carolina, it was still going to be wrong in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And if it was wrong in Mount Olive, it's going to be wrong in Benson. I'm not trying to skirt around. I'm just being, you know, seeing is seeing. I'm sorry, but it is. When I do things my way instead of God's way, it's wrong wherever I'm at. It was wrong if I was with a little boy blue or a little girl green. It really didn't matter. Whoever I was with, wherever I was with, if it was wrong there, it was wrong here. It's called sin. And there were always consequences. And that's what happened in this storyline here. Peter told, uh, Peter told Simon, when he said, give me this money, he said, your money will perish with you. And that's a very bold statement. He's saying this, you and your money are on the path to destruction. And if I could be very graphic, one writer said it this way, you and your money are on the way to hell. It was just that serious. The consequences for his actions were just, if you don't repent, if you don't turn from your evilness, your wickedness, hell's going to be your home. And I'm going to tell you something, folks, that's sad. But we need to let people know there are consequences for our actions. I'm not speaking against social media. I'm, not, I'm an advocate for school. I believe in it. I, I think education's great. I think it's wonderful to serve in the military, get a great job and retire. Those things are wonderful. But whatever God allows us to do, let's not compromise what we believe in. Let's not compromise what we stand on. Let's make sure that we're, I'm gonna tell you something, hear me well. Man, I, I've had daughters to go to school, and, and listen, I, I want you to know firsthand, you can make it through college and still serve God. Somebody say amen to that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I don't know where you are right now. And you're, you, you can go to the military and still be a, a strong Christian. You can work on your job every day. I know this. You can be a football coach and still be a Christian. I've done it. Yeah, you can be a football coach and still be a pastor because I've served it. I'm just simply saying we can do whatever God wants us to do, but we can't compromise what we believe in and the day that we do that we better be ready because consequences are coming now I've read some stories about this man Simon different writers they, they don't always have the same conclusion or better yet they don't always have the same storyline but the conclusion is the same it didn't end well his life ended in a tragedy because of the consequences of his actions it's sad when that happens it reminds me of the Old Testament priest Eli some of you may know that story from 1 Samuel. Elah was the priest. He was the representative between God and between man. He was their liaison. He was there to talk and pray for him and seek God for him. Eli had an issue, though. He had some sons that did bad, evil, corrupt, wicked. Sons of Belial, the Bible would tell us in the King James. He knew about that, but he didn't correct them. And his story ended bad. Let me, let me explain it to you this way. A couple of things he did. If you're a note taker, this is worth getting down. You ready? He and his family, they compromised the word of God. The Bible allowed priests to take some of the sacrifices that were being offered to God. It was part of their covenant. That's what they did. But these men, they compromised the word of God and they got more than their share. They got what they were not supposed to. They didn't care what the word of God said. They did it their way instead of God's way. They compromised the word of God. They, they compromised the work of God. 
The Bible says in 1 Samuel that there were ladies who served in the temple, served at the gate. And and Eli's sons would lay with these women. They would have intimate relationships with these women, violating these women. I mean, what they were doing, they were compromising the work and the workers of God, not having any kind of thought for what God has said. They compromised that. It got worse. They compromised their worship. You see, back in that time, they had the Ark of the Covenant with them. It was just a, a, a box that represented the presence of God. It had different little artifacts in it. We can't get into it at this point. But it represented and it stood for the presence of God with the people. Well, one day they were going into battle, I think, with the Philistines. And Eli's son said, go get the ark. Just, just bring it. They didn't see, God, Lord, do we need to bring the ark here? Do we need to let the ark go before snow? Just go bring it. And they took it into battle. They lost the battle and the ark was taken because they compromised worship they thought that they could just use god and this breaks my heart like he's just some good luck charm doesn't it disturb you when some people just try to pick god up and put him down you know when i'm sick i i got god when i'm struggling i got god but when i'm on the mountaintop god who i'm sorry but it's, it's called compromise it's called compromise I'm sick, but I'm going to be at church on Sunday. I'm feeling good. It's a beautiful day. I'll I'll see you next week. Folks, we've got to be careful about compromise because there's consequences for it. Let me tell you what happened to Eli. Both of his boys died in that battle. And then when Eli heard about it, and then when he heard that the ark was, was taken away, the Bible says he fell backwards and he broke his neck. He died. He gets a little worse. One of his daughter in laws was about to give birth. And I think she even died in childbirth, if no mistake. But when she was giving birth, they said, you have a male child? And she named him Ichabod. It means this, where's the glory? It means that the glory of God had been taken away. The glory of God had been taken away from Israel. Why? Because they compromised their stand. They couldn't be separated or set apart for God. And that was the consequences of their actions. And this is what's concerning. I don't know how long Eli served as priest. But while he was there, the ark was there, and the presence of God was with him. While he served as priest, his boys were doing bad. He knew about it. He never corrected them, and the ark was still there. The presence of God was there. While he served as priest, he got a prophetic word from little Samuel about what was going to happen, but he never changed And the ark was still there. The presence of God was there. But one day, the ark was taken. The glory of God was gone. The presence of God was gone. What does that mean to me, Pastor Mark? You know about the presence of God because I know this church. I've been in worship services here. I've served with your pastor and your worship leader, and I know what it's like for them to sing. And there's, there's a great presence of God in this place. You know about that, don't you? Yeah, and some of you know it a little step further. You know what it's like to get with your your spouse and your children perhaps and and just kneel beside your bed at night and and there's a presence of God that you can't always explain. But have you been in your home and you've sensed that? Yeah, and and some of you know what it's like to maybe be just driving along the road by yourself and, and you're singing a hymn or listening to the radio and thinking about a sermon and all of a sudden there's a, a presence of God with you. You know that. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't it be sad to miss that? Wouldn't it be sad 
to come in here. And Brother Kev and Sister Amy are playing and singing their heart out. But yet there's no presence of God. Pastor Jeff stands and he's preaching. And he's preaching with passion, but there's no presence of God. Your people are doing outreach events of whatever's going on in Mount Olive. You're there and, and you're trying to end, but there's no presence of God. It happens when we compromise what we stand for and what we believe in. And I just want to encourage you today as a church, don't compromise who you are. Don't compromise your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you with a heart full of love, there's, there's not a drug worth it. There's not a male or a female worth it. There's not a lottery ticket worth it. I'm not legalistic. I'm just simply saying we got to get to the point where we commit to God with our heart, with our soul, and our mind, and it's just going to help the church to get better and to get stronger. It's not going to hurt us. I heard Reverend Tozer when he was living. I read he he made this statement. if If what we do in church right now, 95% of it would go on unnoticed even if the Holy Spirit was absent. Listen to that again. Everything that we're doing, if the Holy Spirit was suddenly withdrawn from this church, we could continue on and 95% of it would go and people wouldn't even know it. I would preach you wouldn't recognize there's an absence of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Jeff, these singers, our, our workers, our witnessing, that's sad. But what hurts me is the fact that as a church, we could come here and we could participate in worship. We could participate in outreach events. We could participate in, in, in our witness and our working. And we still would not know the presence of God is going. Folks, we don't want to get there. We don't want to get there. So we can't compromise. Here's what they said about the early church, though. He said, if the Holy Spirit was taken from them, 95% of what they did would stop. And everyone would know it. And that's the kind of Christian I want to be. And that's the kind of church I want to be in. And that's the kind of church I want to lead. I want, and listen, you know what? If the Holy Spirit can't use me, I want to sit down just as quick as I can. If the Holy Spirit's not in the worship, let's sit down and stop. And let's pray for him to come. If the Holy Spirit's not in our outreach events, let's pray for him to come. And we're doing okay with this. Let's not compromise. Let's seek his face because there's consequences for it. This church continued to get better because the church made that commitment. As Pastor Kevin comes to the keyboard, I saw something interesting. I was, I was traveling yesterday. And these guys were, they were, they were pulling a, a mobile home, a single-wide mobile home. And, and it's got this big sign that says, Oversized Load. You've seen that stuff before. Pastor Jeff, they... They pulled off on the side of the road and they were working underneath that, that trailer. I don't know if they had just gotten so comfortable with working underneath the trailer that they thought everything was okay. But you know what caught my eye? They didn't have out any cones. They didn't have any flashing lights. They were just pulled off on the shoulder of the road and the closer I got to them, I could see this guy's legs out from there and all I could do is say Lord please keep them safe because cars would be coming and there was no warning sign for them I'm afraid that's in a sense 
what the enemy's trying to do to our church. He's trying to get us so comfortable and so familiar with the things of this world that we no longer see the danger. We no longer see what it could do to our family, what it could do to our spouse, what it could do to our children, what it does to God. I'm not legalistic. You're not either. But I'm telling you something. This word has not changed. And God still has standards here. As a matter of fact, he has commands that we're supposed to be following. He has principles that we're supposed to be living by. He has sins written here that we should be avoiding. He has promises that we can stand on. So I'm going to say this with a heart full of love. As believers in Christ, as followers of him, people who submit to his word, honestly, there's things that we just shouldn't do. There's places we may not need to go. There's words we don't need to say. There's attitudes we don't need to have. Oh, so you're preaching that sinless perfection. No. No. But I am preaching holiness. God's got standards that we're to live by. Can I give you some good news today if you're concerned about that? The same Jesus Christ that died for the penalty of our sins. On that cross, he made provision for the very power of sins. Those strongholds, those shackles can be broken in the name of Jesus if we'll make a commitment to holiness. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you, dear God, that you're reminding us that we can't compromise who we are in you. That we've got to continue to stand and be who you would have us to be. Oh God, that we will represent you, not just in this church, but we will represent you on our jobs. We will represent you in our schools. We will represent you, God, in the marketplace, wherever you allow us to go, that we would represent you. And so we pray for your help today and the strength that we all need that we can overcome and be the Christians that you've called us to be. Lord, help us to make that commitment today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm asking intercessors, if you don't mind to come, and let's just pause for a moment for a season of prayer. If If you're here today and there's a commitment you need to make in your life, why don't you come and stand and let's pray. One of these pastors, one of these intercessors will, will help you. Maybe you, you need to make a commitment to the faith. Maybe you just, you've never asked Jesus into your heart. What a great day to do that. That might be the commitment you need to make. Or maybe there's others. Maybe you recognize struggles in your life. Maybe you're starting to hear the, 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 the temptation to compromise and you need prayer. These, these brothers, this sister, they will pray for you. And I tell you, God is able to help you if you will make that commitment.